the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not because of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Peace be to you, the reader. Abraham said, 
Son, remember that you in your lifetime receive your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced. If someone should rise from the dead, peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we have a parable of contrasts. Everything about the parable shows the difference between these two people. On the one hand, we have Lazarus, who is named. And on the other hand, we have the rich man, who has no name. But that's just the beginning of the contrast between the two. The rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen. Meanwhile, Lazarus, his clothing was that he was full of sores. And dogs came and licked those sores. The rich man feasted sumptuously every day. So he filled himself beyond, far beyond what he needed. Meanwhile, what it says of Lazarus' food is it said he desired to be fed. It doesn't even say that he was fed. He desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. When Lazarus died, he was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham. Meanwhile, for the rich man it says he died and was buried. Very short. And then finally to see that the rich man is in torment and anguish. And Lazarus, now he is finally, after all that time, he is comforted. The difference between these two, as Abraham even points out, is a great chasm. So there's this great chasm and we would ask ourselves, which side of the chasm do we want to be on? The answer is quite obvious. But we must ask ourselves, what does it mean to be on one side of the chasm or on the other? What does it mean to be Lazarus or to be the rich man? Of course, we know where we want to be. If you don't know, listen to any service that we have for the departed. Whether it's a funeral, a trisagion, a memorial service. We always say, establish their souls in the dwelling place of the righteous and grant rest to them in the bosom of Abraham. This is where we all desire to be. 
And this indeed is what this gospel tells us about, is being in the bosom of Abraham, which is, of course, symbolic of being in heaven, being in that place of rest. Another thing that we say in the services for the departed is a place of light, a place of rest, a place of green pasture, where there is no pain, no sorrow, nor suffering. Isn't this what we all want? Of course it is. So how do we do this? How do we be like Lazarus and not like the rich man? We might look at it on the surface and say, well, there's a serious income disparity here. The answer is to go and live a poor life, maybe even on the street. That's not the fullness of it. Sure, this is a story of rich and poor, but it's much more than that. To be like Lazarus, we must be humble. This is the key to the parable. Not just rich and poor, but to be humble. As the Beatitudes say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. This is the story of Lazarus. He saw God because he was poor in spirit. And poor in spirit, it can mean poor in body, poor in means. But poor in spirit means, most importantly, to be humble. And we know that this is the path because the path to that side of the chasm is the path of imitating our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as St. Paul said, he humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And his own mother repeats the similar phrase of humility in the Magnificat. She says, God exalts the lowly and scatters the proud. Or if that weren't clear enough, we just use the words of our Lord. The first shall be last, the last first. It's this great exchange that occurs. And that's what we hear from Abraham as well. He says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. This is the great turn of events. The great turn is when we depart this life and go into the next life. So the question is, what is humility? We know this word, we know it's an essential part of our spiritual life, but what is humility exactly? Humility is dwelling in reality. You see, the non-reality is that these things are mine, my accomplishments are mine, I do this all myself, and these are my things and things that I should keep to myself. That's not reality. Reality is nothing is mine, I have no accomplishments, everything is from God. That's reality. So humility is simply living in reality, whereas non-humility, pride, ego, whatever names we want to call it, self-love, that's living in delusion. But that's where we live most of the time, rather than in humility. Because in humility, we can then begin to see God. We can then begin to experience God. It's the way that we empty ourselves, just as I read that passage about our Lord emptying Himself. Emptying Himself, humbling Himself, even to the point of death. So we empty ourselves, and then what happens? Our Lord fills the space. So it's not really a question of being rich and poor. It's a question of being rich in what? What are we rich in? 
If we are rich in God's mercies, God's blessings, it's because we have humbled ourselves, we have emptied ourselves, and then He can begin to dwell inside of us. If instead we fill ourselves with possessions, with cares of life, with all those other things that we can imagine and that we desire, there's no room for God. And so we are rich with something, it's just the wrong thing. The epistle actually talks about riches, and that gives us a little bit of an idea of the right kind of riches, because again, riches aren't necessarily bad. It says, Brethren, God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. God is rich in mercy. But it's not just something that He's keeping to Himself, nor is His love something He's keeping to Himself. He shares it with us. Because further in the epistle it says that He could show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us. This is what our Lord desires to fill us with. His grace, His kindness, His mercy, His love. These are the things that we can be filled by. Or we can be filled by the things of this world. So the question really is, what are we rich in? Because every person is rich. Even Lazarus sitting at the door with the sores and not having enough food for himself, he was quite rich. But what was he rich in? This is the difference between the one side of the chasm and the other. May we desire to be like Lazarus, poor in spirit, humbled so that our Lord can dwell in us, and that he can work that immense miracle and draw us into the bosom of Abraham. Amen.